We collect and exchange data with customers every day, but that data comes with great responsibility. Today, many lenders are not only in the business of managing money and risk, but also safeguarding customer data. How can we change that? We will explore that question and more in today's podcast, which is the first of two special interviews with Monitor's most innovative people of 2023. But before we begin, I want to tell you about Monitor Suite, the content subscription service equipped for the equipment finance industry. Monitor Suite features high quality streaming series and the very first equipment finance documentary series. Monitor Suite members have 24-7 access to our entire library of in-depth data reports dating back to 1992, videos, members-only live stream events, exclusive articles, and much more. For more information, please visit monitordaily.com suite. Monitor Suite was a project that I started working on during my time in cohort two of Stripe's leadership program, which just so happens to be today's podcast sponsor. Stripes is a leadership development program for the equipment finance industry. This 10-month program launches with a three-day intensive transformational program and also includes master talks and master workshops from notable industry and leadership experts, working cohort groups with other industry professionals, outcome-driven development sessions, and much more. Stripes was a phenomenal experience for me, and I encourage you to learn more about the program by visiting stripesleadership.com. Hi, everyone. I'm Rita Garwood, Editor-in-Chief of Monitor. Joining me on the podcast today is one of 2023's most innovative people, um, Anurban Basak. Anurban is founder and CEO of Fortified. I'm so excited to have you on the podcast today. Thanks for being here. Thank you, Rita. Good morning to you. Good morning. So just to get us started, can you tell us a little bit about yourself and your company? Absolutely. Um, so. Uh, so education-wise, I'm a mechanical marine engineer, spent about 10 years in the Merchant Navy, then got into the business of uh, lending through Capital One, Washington Mutual, JP Morgan Chase. Finally landed up in MIT to complete a program over there tied to data privacy and protection. The importance of personal data to mankind, to civilization, to an individual, and was born fortified out of the concepts which I learned from MIT Connection Science uh, inventorist, Dr. Sandy Pentland, whose concept on trust data is what fortified is. Um, we are based in Mountain View. Uh, we started in September, 2017. It's a platform company and we are selling software as a solution to financial services. Our mantra being personal data is personal. That's quite a mantra. Um... So can you tell me what innovation means to you? Innovation to me uh, and my company uh, predominantly means make a meaning to the society. Uh, what is that? Uh, meaning means it's got to be transformational, as in there's a way of doing, doing things which has been going on. The idea is not to make incremental notch improvements but to make a meaning by moving into a different plane, a complete transformation move which disrupts and improves things and takes to the next level. That's meaning for me. So make a meaning in the course because making a meaning involves economic transactions, i.e. you have to uh, source funds from investors who have an ROI expectation. It could be a, a startup or a part of a bigger company you need to have a business model to drive innovation because end of the day, 
you have to pay back the investors. So make a meaning, then make money, pay back the investors so that there's a transformational company generation as we go down through this effort. That's the basic meaning of the word, uh, word innovation to me and my company. Great. So can you describe a company initiative from the last year that highlights your company's commitment to innovation? Yes. So like I said, our mantra is personal, data is personal. So when we extrapolate that in the world of lending, uh, of which a big industry is equipment leasing and financing, uh, personal data gets traded between data providers and data consumers. Data providers means the, the bureaus, the Equifaxes and experience of the world, and the data con consumers, the banks, the independents who are lending money. There's, a, there's an exchange of raw data between these two categories of institutions on an individual or on an individual's business. So if you believe personal data is personal, that transaction needs to stop. Well, if that stops, then how does the world move on? The world moves on by transformation of information and insights and not raw data. With that, what happens is a personal data footprint in the ecosystem starts to uh, reduce, which disincentivizes hackers and breaches because now there is no reason to hack or breach an organization because there's no personal data available automatically people's personal data gets saved in the long run. In that effort are two solutions which we launched with the end goal being, I have to support my investors as well. The first thing was how do we drive KYC, KYB, uh, verification of income employment initiatives that happened in the years 2020, 21, but then the radical transformation is how do you make the solution implementable in the world of credit policy underwriting, which is how much of loan to give an equipment, uh, equipment uh, loan borrower, how do you make that work in this gamut of things? So in 2022, we pushed the concept, socialized it with the data providers and got the process of creating the world's first platform of confidential computing which basically means now equipment financing companies can use the platform to compute credit policy underwriting by sourcing raw data from the providers, the paynets of the world, the Equifaxes of the world without incremental liability and risk for running these operations. So this concept in simple meaning, in simple sentence means now the equipment financing companies can do credit policy underwriting without incurring the baggage and responsibility of storing the data, mining the data, uh, because by definition, a bank's job was to manage money and risk. Over the years, their job description has, has converted into managing people's PII. That was never a part of their job responsibility. So this platform, which is going into effect in 2023, was conceptualized and put into 2022. And hopefully we'll make that live uh, Q3 or Q4 this year with two largest bureaus in this country and three financial institutions, one of which is an equipment financing company. That happened in 2022, by the way. That's really exciting. And it sounds like it has a lot of promise for you know everyone in the financial industry. That's That's wonderful. So 
In general, the equipment finance industry is not known for its innovation. How can leaders in this industry change that? It's a, it's a, it's a, so uh, my philosophy in this is persuasion and not convincing. What does that mean? Uh, if you can persuade an individual or a group of people that there's a value towards something, it starts from within them. And given that everybody's trying to manage 24 hours in a day, if a person is persuaded that there's an importance towards something, it's easier to get that implemented versus trying to convince somebody you should do like this because 10 other people are doing this and this is a PowerPoint slide, this is an industrial report. That's just my philosophy. So number one in my mind is, if you're starting from scratch or it's at stage of nascency, step number one is building an awareness on the importance of innovation. What does that mean? Uh, it basically means getting a group of people in the organization being aware of the importance of innovation. And how do you bring about that? Pretty much a big chunk of the population because organizations are strapped thin on expenses, et cetera. People come to work, deliver something because that's the expectation month to month, quarter to quarter, trying to hit numbers, and then they go back home. What would be a good thing when you build awareness is trying to have an introspection session with more audience, more than less, by telling them, why do you exist? An example would be, what's the purpose of an equipment financing company? A tactical answer would be to sell loans. Yes, it is you're selling loans, but the fact is you are helping drive a benefit of the ecosystem, which transformed into simple sentences could mean in the world of tractors, harvesters, is you driving, food you're serving, you're solving for hunger problem, et cetera, et cetera, in that capacity. Now, if that's the purpose of your existence, try to ask yourself, what are those people who are consuming your product asking in terms of making their life easier? The evolution of the industry is making that effort less and less friction-oriented, fast money in the hands of the borrower, and then because there's too much of competition and pressure on, on APRs and loans, how do you reduce cost to acquisition? If you can get this concept into the mind of people, which is essential for equipment financing to survive, then you start embedding into the concept that unless you innovate your existing life and trying to make yourself meaningful and valuable to the system that you're trying to drive, your existence could be at stake. What does that mean? use technology, try to embrace technology. It's difficult in the first, but that helps drive the benefits to the ecosystem. A farmer can get access to your loans faster because now you can send your application through a mobile app versus that farmer travels and comes to your location. Then decisioning happens in a few seconds versus a few weeks. That's when the realization happens that A, either I as an organization innovate or somebody else who innovates and takes over my bread and I go out of business. If that concept can be ingrained, people get up and realize I need to innovate. I can sit and complain about too much of work. I can sit and complain about, I have so many hours in a day, but then I'm persuaded to the fact that I need to innovate just to survive. If we can cross that bridge, 
Next step comes implementation. The mistakes that organization do is they get into implementation because before, without that persuasion. Implementation starts small. A question which comes up is why do certain teams innovate well and certain teams do not? It is not that the certain teams who do not innovate are averse to innovation. Sometimes the job descriptions are morning to evening, to evening you're trying to execute an operational responsibility, move the verification process, complete loan applications, et cetera. For them, their persuasion, motivation, departmental goals are tied to that act which does not support persuasion. And there's nothing wrong with that. The idea is to find that niche segment in a company who are well positioned to take up the first few innovation projects. That sets an example for the rest of the organization that this is how it happens. Most important takeaway is making people understand innovation fails more than it succeeds. So not to worry about failure, but to embrace failure and recognizing learning from your failures and move ahead. If that culture can be embraced and adopted with the right amount of sophistication sensitivity, then that wheel starts to turn, becomes easier for the next and the next and the next. What does not work, and I've seen this firsthand, is when the CEO gets their blue-eyed person and say, this individual rock star, he or she is, in, is embraced with the concept of innovation and they will drive it in the company. Sometimes that's huge disaster. It doesn't work like that. You've got to persuade people the importance of innovation. And then it starts to build and then that becomes a culture. And then life gets way more easier because now people want to drive it themselves versus you try to push it down on people that you should innovate. They get up and say, we have to innovate. Otherwise, we'll go out of existence. That's just my two cents. So I've seen various models work and not work, but I just believe in this. So you talked about... Um you know, not having just like an innovation person driving everything um, in order to create that, the culture of innovation at your company. Um, anything else that you wanted to add there or uh, you did say a lot already? Yes, I think it's persuasion and I'm not convincing is the mantra. Okay. That's, that's the fundamental philosophy. All right, so last question I had is, what does the equipment finance staff of the future look like and how will current disruptive trends reshape the hiring process? So equipment financing, like every financing, um, is moving towards an ecosystem where there's going to be tremendous pressures on revenue. I Lenders will be competing against each other for business. So in simple sense, if you were looking for a lending uh, of an equipment loan, if 10 lenders approach you, chances are you'll pick up the lender who gives you the best APR as in the lowest interest rates. If that happens, that lender is eating into the revenue trying to meet your expectations. So if lenders start competing, competing on rates, they're hurting their top line numbers called revenue. So if that's the case, then at the same time, there's a constant increase in regulations over the last several decades and which shows no standard reduction, which in balance sheet terms means increasing expenses to support loans. So number one, I'm hurting my revenues. Number two, I'm increasing my expenses. So in other words, to be profitable and survive in the future, you have to manage expenses very tightly. And one of the ways to do that is 
embrace technology in the most sensitive and appropriate way. When you embrace technology, it's expected that the employees of the future are also tech savvy. Everybody doesn't have to be a coder or a developer, but they should know how to manage technology in their own sweet way. So if that's way that if that's the way the industry is evolving and the world of financing is moving into the concept of embedded finance what does that mean uh, i walk into a volvo store to buy a tractor for my field my need is of an equipment to grow plants in which comes a process called equipment financing because that facilitates my existence so you're embedding financing into an ecosystem if that happens, we're talking of more and more technology. So chances are that the future task force needs to be needs to be tech savvy. And the word tech savvy can be a spectrum from that extreme tech savvy who can implement right codes to the person who needs to be tech savvy to be able to manage applications as a need of the industry. So uh, outside their people's hard skills and soft skills and whatever functions that they're working on. That's the way I see the industry evolving, which is, by the way, a reality now in consumer retail financing. And I spent too many years of my life in that space. Um, and I can see that happening in equipment financing over the last few years as well. That's just my two cents about this. Yeah, definitely good points to bring up that, that comparison uh, between retail and and equipment finance. So that was the last question I had for you. Any final thoughts? No, I think I'm very excited for this industry. It's a huge industry and and at the right point to make a transformation. Uh, I happened to uh, join this industry. It's been two years now, met some very uh, promising and interesting leaders. And I see the drive in them to adopt technology, to make transformations, to make innovations. And extremely excited to be a part of this uh, organization, this industry, and hopefully we all can get our heads together to make a transformation in the best way possible. Okay. Well, so thank, thank you so you much. much. Yeah. Thank you for for talking with me today. I appreciated it. We'll talk soon. Thanks so much, Anurban. Thank you.